0: Hey guys, before we get started, you can check out our website at learneducatediscover.com where you can sign up to get updates via email on new episodes, useful resources and so on. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher wherever you listen to your podcast and while you're at it, leave us a review. It really means a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, on today's show, we will be talking about starting your own company and being the CEO of a startup. And to help us understand this area, our guest on today's show is Liz Wessel, who is the co founder and CEO of WayUp.com. WayUp is an online marketplace for students to find part time jobs, full time jobs, and internships. It's currently available only in the United States. But they've been doing very well. They came out of Y Combinator and uh, they were named by CNN as one of the 30 most innovative companies changing the world in 2015. In fact, Liz herself has been featured on the Forbes 30 under 30 list. So clearly she's a very accomplished individual. Prior to starting way up, uh, she worked at Google for some time. She's also tried her hand at a couple of other entrepreneurial ventures, such as something called Uni Eats, which essentially gave discounts to students at various campus eateries and shops. So this is going to be a very interesting discussion for anyone who's interested in understanding what is it like. To be the CEO of a startup, so I hope you find today's discussion helpful. And without further ado, let's welcome Liz to the show. Hey, Liz, how are you? Thank you for joining us. Great, thank you so much for having me. I'm good. How are you? I am good. Uh, it's so you are at way up is headquartered in New York, right?
1: Yeah, we're in Manhattan.
0: Okay, awesome. So I understand that we're short on time. So let's just dive right into it. Um, so I just wanted to get started with if I were to run into you at an event, how would you introduce yourself? <laughs> um, I'm Liz. I'm the, one of the
1: co-founders and the CEO of WayUp, which is a marketplace for college students to get part-time jobs, summer internships and full-time jobs after they graduate.
0: Very interesting. And let's and let's get a drink because we're at a party. <laughs> That's a good way to get started with a conversation. So yeah, I'm curious about one thing, which is that if I've done my research correctly, you were at Google when you left to start Way Up, right?
1: Yeah. So I graduated from the University of Pennsylvania in 2012. Mm-hmm. And then I went straight to Google first in California and then in India. And then I quit my job and started Way Up with my co-founder.
0: Oh, interesting. I didn't realize you were in India too. So, uh, first of all, how did you get the idea for Way Out? You know, I think that at the end of the day, we're far from the first
1: uh, people to say we want to solve campus recruiting. Um, But at the end of the day, I think it's more about how we uh, came up with the way in which we would tackle this idea. So, in short, a little bit of background information Um, in college, the, re- the reason I chose to go to Google was, to be totally honest, um, a little bit uh, ridiculous. I had been working in finance after being told that because I loved math, I should go into finance. So I did finance for one summer and I really did not like the role um, or, or, the, or the idea of even working in finance. It just wasn't for me. So um, I decided I wanted another job and the way in which I looked for my next summer internship, um, this was, I guess, going into junior year, was that uh, the CEO of the Blackstone, where I'd been interning the summer before, had emailed the entire company saying, hey, congratulations, we are like the number five or something like that, number five, um, most desired place to work in the world. And I looked at what's number one, and it was Google. (laughs) <laughs> and so um, that's when I decided I'm going to try to work at Google, which is like the stupidest reason to try to work at a company, to be honest. A you, there's idea. a lot of better <laughs> reasons to want to work at Google. Um, but when I went to my school and said I really want to work um, at Google, I quickly realized it's hard to find resources or people that... Um, or information to learn about the specific internships that I was looking to go into. So I realized for the first time that, um, number one, there was no great discovery platform for college students And and by the way, I went to Penn, which has an awesome career service center compared to most other schools in the country. So just think about most other schools that can't even afford to have the kind of career center Penn does. Mm -hmm. So it just became quickly apparent that there wasn't really a place for students um, and recent grads to discover awesome new jobs and opportunities, and then also to get information about those jobs and opportunities. And so my co-founder and I both agreed that we wanted to kind of dedicate our uh, careers to solving that. So
0: uh, this is when you were still at Penn, so before joining Google.
1: So, okay, great question. So that
0: was... During
1: college. And so we actually launched a side project that solved a very specific version of what I'm talking about. I won't get into it, but a very, very specific version. Mm -hmm. And so we launched it. We were that was the first time JJ, my co-founder, and I worked together. We launched that during college with a few other friends. And then we graduated and we moved on with our lives, but that website kept growing and growing. And so we kind of used that as inspiration because JJ knew he wanted to start a company. He knew I wanted to start a company. So he reached out to me and said, Hey, it's been a couple of years since we graduated I know you're planning to leave and start a company do you want to do it together I said 100% let's do this thing and the idea we kept coming back to was the one that we had worked on as a project in college and so that's when we we both agreed let's you know let's do this for real
0: oh interesting yeah so I'm curious about what was your thought process so I I think you were at Google for about how much two to three years before you quit? Two, two years. Two yeah. Two years, Yeah. So what were you thinking at that point in time? Like, why did you decide to leave a fairly, I mean, it's a job that many people would kill for.
1: Yeah. I mean, I actually, so when I got the job offer to work at Google, I told the recruiter my plan was to leave in two years and start a company. And so I even had them enter, uh, uh, introduced me to other people who had had my position and then left and started a company as well. So I was always going to leave and start a company. Um, and the two-year mark is kind of artificial, but also it was because the program I was in was a two-year rotational program. And then on the after two years, you choose what your permanent job at Google will be. Mm-hmm. And so I basically said, I'll do the two years and then I just won't choose a permanent job at Google. So it's a really cool program, actually. It's called the APMM program, Associate Product Marketing Manager program. So a bunch of other really successful, uh, much more successful entrepreneurs have been in it, like Kevin Systrom from Instagram and um, Britt Morin from Britt & Co. and a bunch of other
0: folks. Oh, interesting. OK, so then at the end of two years, you felt that doing your own thing was much more sort of the thing that you wanted to do.
1: I always wanted to start a company and I figured, you know, why not start sooner than later?
0: Okay. So from what I understand, at this point in time, you were open to starting any company and then your co-founder is the one who sort of reached out to you and said that, hey, why not continue with the thing that we started in college?
1: No, not quite. So he reached out to me and said, hey, um, I'm going to leave my job pretty soon and start a company I know or, or join a startup, one of the two. What do you think? And I said, um, I'm in let's let's do this thing together and so we spent several months um, talking about ideas we were both passionate about and the one we kept coming back to together was this idea we had worked on as a project in college so it kind of was like a mutual feeling where we both kept thinking about all these cool ideas travel hardware uh, you know database infrastructure companies, like all sorts of ideas that we were both pretty excited yeah. about. Some me more than him and some he more than I. And then, uh, and then we both just kept landing back on this one problem we had both faced in college.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, the, the thing which I'm curious about is that uh, when you decided to finally quit and jump into this had you sort of vetted this idea in some form or shape? And if yes, what was that? How much was that vetting? Like you had? Some yeah. x number Yeah. So users we, because
1: we had that side project during college, we actually had already seen that there was clearly demand for this. We had been college students two years before we started the company. So we also knew firsthand that our friends and, and us as well were, would be users, but we did survey recruiters. We surveyed thousands of students, um, literally through like Google Forms, um, and we even spoke to some career service centers that we didn't want to speak to too many because we felt as though this was just kind of, we weren't, we were going to go direct to student. We weren't going to go through the career service centers. We would partner with them
0: when they wanted to partner, but otherwise we'd go direct to student. I see. So if you can share with us like how many users, I mean, they weren't really users, but what kind of response rate did you have which gave you the confidence that, yeah, this is worth going after.
1: Um, It was just a few thousand. I think it was like almost 10,000 people that we sent surveys to um, and then a few thousand responses. So it wasn't too crazy. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think what also gave us confidence was we were seeing what other players were doing in the industry and we basically were saying none of those products are very good we could build such better products we can think about the product building process in such a better way as well so for example very specific example we said let's go direct to student and let's basically make the product like a matchmaking platform so as opposed to showing a student every single job in the country including jobs that they're not qualified for um, why don't we just ask the business what are the qualifications that you require and then tell the student here are the you know jobs that you're qualified for based on the profile you've already filled out. So we were the first ones that I know of at least to do something like that because otherwise typically students will see millions of jobs they'll spend so many hours applying for so many jobs and then they're not even qualified for half the jobs they apply for they get rejected right away and the businesses don't like that either because they're wasting time sifting through
0: unqualified right. applications right 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 okay very cool all right so then uh, let's switch gears a little bit to sort of being the ceo of a startup so uh, before we get into that why don't you t- describe for us in your own words like how do you think about a startup what is a startup
1: how do I think about a startup? So a startup is, you know, everyone has their own definition. I would say a startup is a company that's trying to grow really, really rapidly. Um, you know, it's not, I don't call a laundromat a startup, for example, because at the end of the day, and and many people could for sure. Um, but I think of a startup as a company that is trying to grow rapidly um, at X hundred percent year over year at least for the first couple of years um and at the end of the day is trying to you know create something new and innovative that will
0: hopefully add, add benefit to the world okay and is there do you sort of cap in terms of size of the company either in terms of employees or revenue that is no longer a startup that's a good
1: question. I don't really know the answer. I, I definitely don't think it has to do with revenue for sure because there are companies that are, like, probably 20, 30 people that are making hundreds of millions of dollars. So I don't think revenue is the right way to think about it. Um, employees could have to do with it. I know, for example, that Snapchat still calls themselves a startup, but at the end of the day, I definitely don't think of Snapchat as a startup just given how big they are. Um, not even revenue, but just employee size. Um okay. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would disagree with
0: that comment and say that they are startups. So
1: I, I don't know the answer for exactly how many employees.
0: I wish I could give you an answer. No, no, that's completely fine. And maybe it's more about just the mentality rather than any size at all. Just, just curious about your thought process here. So and right now, way up is how many people? We are 42 people today. Okay. All right. Including yourself. Yes. Okay. So then how would you describe your role as CEO of a startup? Um, my
1: role is different month to month. I try to have different focuses each month, but overall, my role at the company is to stay as high level as possible and to ensure that we are keeping a competitive advantage from an industry and landscape perspective and to ensure that kind of the culture and values of the culture of our team is present the values of our business is always are always you know front and center so we're not just building things to make money we're building things we have seven values at the company one of them is win the war not just the battle and i would say that's what i'm really focused on doing as much as possible it's helping our company win the war of what we're fighting for as a business versus a bunch of mini battles day to day that otherwise folks on the ground who are really executing on a lot of the strategy day to day might be more focused on. So I would say that's that's a big part of my job. But also, you know, hiring um, and HR, uh, I am the face of the company towards the press. So doing a lot of interviews, speaking at a lot of events, um, and then also just I'm very, very hands on with product and design. So I work a lot with the product teams. We have an amazing head of product um, named Matt and definitely work with him a lot. And then finally, sales, Um, I would say uh, day to day, you'll see me on at least one sales call or helping with one sales proposal, just because that's something that we're always trying to figure out how to get better at and how to, you know, improve on and scale. And so um, until we're making billions and
0: billions of dollars, and even then we'll probably still feel this way, (laughs) Um, you know, yeah. No, absolutely. So so I think you mentioned two very important things. One is that, so yes, you're spending time on these like sales and HR and hiring and all of these kind of activities. But sort of the main thing that you're looking at is, are we winning the war as opposed to the battle and sort of maintaining the culture of the company? Mm-hmm. So uh, can you share examples of how this thinking manifests itself? Like winning the war, not the b- battle? What is yeah. I mean, I think
1: that at the end of the day, it's it's examples such as, okay, so one good example. So what we saw was that, I don't know if, if anyone listening went to college in the U.S., you probably might have had a school job board. Mm-hmm. And what we found was that the school job boards have lower engagement and retention with their users than we do. So a couple schools actually asked us to build um, out, like a white-labeled version of our platform for the school. And while maybe one day that's something we could think about doing, though I, I don't foresee it happening in the near future at all, um, but I've never i I've learned to never say never, so I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, what we realized was when we're direct to student and when we uh, the student chooses to sign up for Way Up versus the student being automatically signed up by the school when they enroll in college, we just have much better brand affiliation, much better engagement, Uh, like much more kind of quote unquote love from the uh, user. And so that's when we realized that that's probably the best way to go. Um, And so, yes, we could acquire tons of new students very quickly if we just started integrating with schools. But instead, what we decided was, let's go direct to student and have students choose to sign up with us.
0: So in this case, I guess you're defining the sort of the Uber goal as having customers love way up as a platform as opposed to growth. Not
1: customers, because these are students, but having users love way up and want to stay with us in the long term, even after they graduate, as opposed to filling, you know, hitting my KPIs for the quarter and making sure that we hit X number of
0: students acquired. And so this is something like who, who decided this? Like How did you arrive at this decision?
1: Uh, my executive team. I mean, I definitely, you know, my co-founder JJ and I make, tend to make like the final, final decision together. Um, or, or, you know, usually it's one of us will be the final call on this. It's the one who has more um, that they can speak to about this. Mm -hmm. But other than that, I would definitely say it's, you know, my executive team, all, we try to run the big ideas by at least most of them, if not all of them, just because at the end of the day, they also have a ton of information and knowledge
0: about this space, just given each of their specific roles. So we try to gather as much information as possible. Interesting. So so I would love to understand sort of the decision making process also when you're the CEO, sort of how do you arrive at decisions. But before we get into that, can you share examples of certain key decisions that someone in your position might take, which can drastically affect the sort of the course of the company? So maybe you could take examples from WayUp itself.
1: Um, I mean, like, you know, hiring and firing people are decisions we have to make uh, especially on the hiring front all the time and firing hopefully not all the time but every once in a while um, those are big decisions that affect a lot of people at the company but at the end of the day um, the, ha- the manager of that person if someone is not performing very well and I will sit down and we'll review and sometimes it's an obvious decision and sometimes it's extremely not obvious and uh, you know the the worst is when you have to fire someone just because you've given them one piece of feedback over and over and they haven't gotten better. And then it's just like, okay, I don't see you getting better at this and this is a Mm -hmm. non-starter. And so, you know, this is that your last day. Um, I, I think of that as by far my, my least favorite decision that I always, that I have to make sometimes. And, um, it's definitely my least favorite part of my job. It's, it's the thing I look forward to least, um, when it has to happen. Mm -hmm.
0: So, so one is clearly, hiring and firing what else like have you maybe maybe something to do with fundraising or maybe a product direction which you think has was a hard I mean I make you.
1: I make big de- drastic decisions probably multiple times a week so it's <laughs> it's it's not like something that I ha- I can point to one exact example I'll probably make one today and one tomorrow and I definitely made one yesterday so yeah it, it, it depends on the day but it's different examples every day
0: no, but that's good to know. So generally, most of these decisions are these sort of driven by you, sort of initiatives driven by you, which you then are trying to get alignment with with the rest of your team, or is it stuff sort of coming up to you and you're thinking about what's the best thing to do? It's
1: it's all it's all of the above. I mean, sometimes people come to me and say, "Hey." You know, this customer is having this issue, or this customer is a big opportunity, but they don't like our pricing, or whatever it might be. You know, this is a make or break. We either lose the customer or we keep them. So that could be from a sales team. uh, And that's a big decision we might have to make to change our model for one business or for a a business, uh, for an investment opportunity. Um, You know, sometimes uh, during our last fundraise a year ago, our last, you know, round that we announced a year ago for our series a, we did not plan on raising about $8 million yet. Um, that was what we kind of had offered to us. And we continued to get, we were very oversubscribed. So people kept saying, just let us invest another couple hundred thousand, a couple hundred thousand more. And so coming up with the decision at the end to say when we were going to cap it and we're not going to take anything more than X dollars. Um, you know, it's like decisions like that, that, Happen all the time, and uh, that's one on the fundraising side because you mentioned fundraising that I can point to. But I would say these kinds of decisions happen a lot, whether it's with personnel, with sales, with marketing, mm-hmm. um, with schools, our partners, etc. It's
0: it's been how long now since you've started WayUp?
1: Um, we started, we quit our jobs um, and started working full time on this in July, 2014 and then right. launched the company in September, 2014. So from when, uh, right now, when I'm talking to you just under two years. Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. So in that time period, do you think that there's been anything about running your own company, which has been unexpected from what you might have?
1: Oh, a million things. Um, I would say, you know, number one, it's, uh, I, I love my team. I, I will stand by the fact that I believe I have the best team in, in I've ever seen. I was going to say New York, but maybe even in the country. Um, my team is incredibly smart, creative, out-of-the-box thinkers that work their butts off. Mm. But I will say, you know, being and, – and I feel like we're part of a team, but being CEO, I never realized how – there's this famous line, being CEO can be very lonely. And it, it often is. And um, I'm very lucky to have an amazing co-founder, but even with a co-founder, it can be it can be somewhat lonely um, at times. Uh, so I, I think that was something that everyone told me. Like every CEO mentor of mine told me it would be lonely. And then I don't think I realized quite how much. So that's just one example from a kind of personal standpoint. I would say I never realized how much I would enjoy working with all sorts of people. I think at Google, um, I I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that I felt as though I worked with a lot of similar types of people. While Google has a really different diverse workforce, at the end of the day, I definitely um, pretty much everyone around me had like a really name brand job before they worked at Google and or they went to Harvard or whatever it might be. And at WayUp, we definitely have a little bit more of a diverse background of among our workforce. And I just, I love it. Like, I mean, I I think the thing I would say was most surprising is how much I love working with my team. And not that I didn't think I would, but I thought leaving Google that I would never be able to work with as smart and driven people in my life, but I was proven wrong by working
0: with this team. So um yeah so actually going back to the lonely statement so I want to go a little bit deeper into that when you say lonely in in what sense um there are just moments where you have to make
1: you as CEO have to make a decision that no one else should like needs to be a part of and it can be very difficult so one example just being like fundraising for example um at the end of the day JJ is by my side and happy to help with anything, but he doesn't join me on fundraising calls or meetings. I think he's been maybe on five fundraising meetings I've ever had, maybe less. And so, um, at the end of the day, you know, something like that, I'm a first time founder. I've never fundraised before way up. So going into those meetings and doing those things can be very scary. And I know that if I mess it up, um, you know, things, things might, uh, it's all on me. It's like my fault completely. And if things go well, it's not even to my benefit because it's my team. It's my team who did it. I'm sorry. It's to my benefit, but it's not even, I don't take the credits, my yeah. team's credit. So at the end of the day, there's just things like that. There's te- things like, this sounds silly, but, um, you know, when you go to a company-wide event, sometimes, um, so, uh, here, here's a good example, actually. So we give every single manager at the company a budget every single quarter. Um, and so, uh, and they're allowed to take all of their team members. So the operations team gets a budget and they went to do archery last quarter. And the marketing team had a budget and they went to do painting and drinking last quarter. Um, And uh, the sales team just went to a bar, et cetera, et cetera. And so me, I actually didn't go with any team because I'm kind of a cross-functional across all these teams. And so I just didn't go with any one particular team. And so that was a silly example. And I I mentioned something to the managers and immediately they also said, oh my gosh, like you come with our team next time. And I know they meant nothing. no harm by it but it's just a silly example of um you know i'm the only person at the company who doesn't really have one team i'm, I'm kind of cross-functional mm-hmm. among all of them so i would say that's one example
0: oh that's really helpful have you found and and clearly you you know you would interact with a lot of other uh, startup ceos so have you found that there are certain common mistakes that young founders may tend to make which you sort of realized definitely um A
1: bunch. I would say lack of focus is by far the biggest one. And we've uh, probably had that issue happen in the past as well for us. Um, Hiring people because you really just love them and not realizing that sometimes as you get bigger, you have to hire right for the role and you might love them and get along with them great. And they might be a hustler. I remember when we were young when we were younger, sorry, young, this was like a year ago. <laughs> when we were a younger company, we would just hire people because we were like, that person's a hustler and they're creative and they'll be great. And sometimes you need more than just creativity and hustle. Sometimes you need the person to be really good at their specific job. Um, I think that's a thing a lot of first-time founders do uh, incorrectly. I would say firing not quickly enough is another one. Um, I think we've actually been pretty good at that, but it's,
0: it's a hard one to to tackle um i would say i would say those are some of the big ones yeah this is i I think i guess one thing i'm hearing is that there's a lot of stuff about hiring and firing which i'm guessing you're spending (laughs) bulk of your time on
1: yeah and i think most good ceos that i know uh spend most of their time hopefully not firing but hiring
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i that's a good point though like the the best startup ceos what do you think they do differently
1: um, they, again, back to the hiring uh, theme, they hire great people. They hire people who are smarter than them and, and they surround themselves. I would say they learn as much as possible. I'm obsessed with finding, we have a, another value at our company is be a master at your craft, but no, you're not the master. And I'm kind of obsessed with finding masters of each craft that I have to, uh, you know, own at my company and finding people who can help me be better at, Mastering specific crafts, and I know a lot of people at my company feel that way about themselves as well. So, I would say they they hire great people who are smarter than them. They learn from as many people as possible. Um, they don't. Uh, they keep. They maintain focus. Honestly, it's like the best founders I know are the people who you look from outside their company. You learn that they have twenty engineers, and you're like, "What are those engineers doing with all their time?" The product hasn't changed in forever, but sometimes that's just bad. And that just means that the company is moving too slow, but sometimes it's actually like a ton of stuff is going on, but they're not launching. They're not like Google and they're not launching a self-driving car unit one day. And then a Google glasses unit the next day. Instead, they're really focused on one business, Mm -hmm. one product. And so I think that's always something I really admire and try to, um, exemplify for our business so that we can maintain focus and really be the best at one specific thing. Um, and then I would say the last one is just, like, they make their lives the company. I, I, I do know that a lot of founders, uh, obviously, aside from, like, their immediate family, um, a lot of founders... Uh, definitely are very big on work-life balance. They want to work from nine to five. They want to uh, do yoga after five o'clock and then they want to go home and hang out with their family, maybe check email once on their phone and then they go to bed and they do that five days a week. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's definitely one lifestyle choice, but I don't know a single founder who's sold their company for hundreds of millions or billions or, or who's built a company that has truly had... Um, a, a global impact on the world and who had that kind of lifestyle. Pretty much every founder I, I know and truly respect or feel as though are, is making waves in their particular industry is working their butts off um, and has really made their company
0: um, become a core part of their life. Yeah. So is there anyone that comes to mind in terms of a CEO that you admire? Ah, so many. Um, so, so, so many.
1: Let's think. Um. Well, okay, so one who I really admire, I'll call, I'll call him out. Um, there's a bunch. I would say one. I'm just gonna name his name is Sam Yagan He started Spark Notes, then sold that to Barnes and Nobles. Then he started OkCupid, sold that to Match.com, and then he was CEO of Match.com uh, for a couple years and just stepped down recently. Um, I, he's someone who I just really admire because I think he's one of those people who's truly a master of his craft. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he's incredibly insightful. And I just hope that one day I can have um, the kind of wisdom that he has. I know it sounds corny, but like (laughs) I can go to him with any kind of specific question. And even if he doesn't know the answer, he asks me the right questions to make me figure out the answer. And I think that's like an unbelievably impressive trait that he embodies.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So uh, one thing which I would love to know a little bit more about. So, I mean, clearly everyone realizes that being the CEO of a startup, uh, you know, large or small company actually is, is highly, highly stressful. So can you share an example of a really um, stressful situation or tough situation you've had to face? Um, it's like
1: so thematic. I mean, like, you know, firing decisions, obviously. <laughs> I, I, I honestly can't think of a worse a worse kind of or more stressful decision to have to make uh, than firing um even though it's obviously best for the company um if i want to go to another theme here let me think a really stressful decision to make
0: um well, we could stick with firing but then let but then maybe we you can tell us a little bit about that when since it is something that you clearly sort of go back and forth on like what is the what is the mental dialogue when you finally arrive at that decision
1: Um, you look at how the person, and I'm not talking about the firing where it's like, okay, they didn't hit their quota. And that's just a black or white answer. It's like, they didn't hit their quota X number of quarters in a row or months in a row. You fire them. That's, that's one, that's a little bit easier. I'm talking about when it's like, this person is clearly not a fit for the following reason, whether it be that they just um, haven't been creative enough or they haven't been um, aggressive enough or ambitious enough or a good fit on the team. And so I think at the end of the day, it's a really stressful um, decision to make because you clearly hired, I mean, hopefully you hired someone because you truly believed in them and were willing to bet the role that you hired them for on them. And so to have to do a total 180 and know that A, it's the right decision to fire them and B, it's not like, oh, well, if I give them one more month, maybe they can turn around. That's always the thought you have as a CEO in the back of your head. If I give them one more month, maybe they can turn around. Or if I give them one more piece of feedback, maybe maybe that's the piece that will actually fix things. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of I think the reason it's so hard for me and for a lot of founders I know is because uh, we don't give up. Like founders just don't give up. You, you you can't give up. If you give up, then your your company's going to fail. And sometimes I think of firing someone as giving up a little bit on that person. And that just mm-hmm. sucks because I don't ever want to have to give up on someone, especially not someone
0: who I really bet a role on and therefore hired. Yeah and right now you interview every single person who joins the company um yes not all interns but i definitely interview everyone sometimes just phone interviews but yeah okay so if you were to replace yourself as the ceo of way up what top five qualities would you look for
1: Ooh, um i mean so number one that they're that they understand our vision of what we could be as a company if we continue at this pace and at this rate um uh, so number one, that they understand like the vision and that they really believe in it. Number two, that they're very, very, very culture, uh, that, that they find culture to be as important as I do, um, and therefore prioritize it. Um, and that goes from everything from hiring to managing to, you know, helping with team events. Mm-hmm. Um, number three, that they're very product focused. I think that it's incredibly important. Maybe it's just cause I came from Google, which is a company where the CEO is unbelievably hands-on with product, but I think that it's very important for a CEO of a tech company to be very product focused. Um, I always find it funny when, people come to me and say, I want to start a company. Um, I have no technical experience. I have no product experience, but I want to start a company. And I say, that's totally fine if you want to start a company. Is it a tech company? And they say, yes. And I say, well, you want to start a tech company and ha- you have no tech experience. That's like saying you want to start a, an investment bank and you have no finance experience. Like, why don't you just go and get a little bit of experience, even if it's just taking a general assembly class or starting to study you know, design on YouTube, whatever it might be. Um, but you should try to get some technical experience. So I think that's very important just even product experience and, and uh, being able to have thoughts on product that are insightful. Um, I would say the next one is just uh, obsession with users. I think that's very key. Um, we have built this business with the students first Um we definitely think about our customers more and more, especially as revenue becomes more important for us as we grow. But at the end of the day, we put our students first in all decisions we make, um, especially with product. And so it would just have to be someone who truly understands and appreciates and values the students um, that are our users.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. That was four qualities, actually.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, and number five. I mean, if there and- isn't
0: another one, that's fine.
1: I guess number five would have to be that they get along with the team,
0: especially, um, you know, my executive team, obviously. <laughs> Actually, do you have a particular kind of leadership style?
1: Me, yes.
0: Uh, I'm
1: extremely blunt I'm to the point. Um, some people call it tough love. I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm definitely... I just... I like to just get things, uh, like, get going. And, and if, if there's a clear answer, just say it and move on. Um, I'm not the most, I'm not going to give you a shit sandwich, I think is what it's called, where you do the, the positive and then the negative and then the positive. I know what maybe I should, but I, I am at the end of the day, the person who, if I see something that looks like shit, then I'm going to probably say that um, in as considerate a way as I can, but um, I'm just I'm very blunt. Um, and then in terms of leadership, I try to be as transparent as possible. I think most people at my company would agree that I'm unbelievably transparent i can't think of a single secret i have right now Mm -hmm. from the company um i I try to tell them everything that they that i can uh and that's because i trust my employees very much so one
0: another thing i want to touch like similar sort of theme which is that so i mean right now there are so many startups and so many people who are CEOs of those startups but you have come on the Forbes 30 under 30 list what do you think is different about you that got you there
1: I have no idea. I have no idea how they choose that list. Um,
0: I have no idea, to be honest. I don't. I don't know the answer to that. That that is. I mean, if you were to, I mean, (laughs) generally, generally, you sort of have a sense for you know. I think this is what has enabled me to be so and so. If at all, there's something like that. Is it? Is it about the space that you're in? I
1: honestly don't know. I wish I could answer that question, no. but um, maybe maybe it's just because our business has grown a lot, and you know they just took appreciation for the fact that my co-founder and I built you know a business from two people to forty two people in in under two years, and probably at the two year mark, we'll probably be closer to forty five people. So um, you know maybe the fact that we we grew a business, we have revenue, we have users, we are adding value to the world. I would say those are probably the reasons. <laughs>
0: cool. You know, if, is there a way to assess whether someone is CEO material? I mean, this might be a very silly question, but uh, in your from your point of view.
1: I think every CEO is so different that it's more,
0: are they the right CEO material for that
1: specific company? But I don't think you can just generalize as someone's CEO material across the board, other than just because at the end of the day, as I mentioned, like some companies, the CEO can have very much a, a beautiful lifestyle uh life, or it can be building a lifestyle business, can work nine to four. They don't have to necessarily be um, completely obsessed with growing their company. I would say the only thing that has to be there across the board for a CEO to be great is that they care about their employees um, and that they, uh, yeah, I would say two things, that they care about their employees and that they're passionate they're passionate about the problems that they're trying to solve or that their business is trying to solve. And I think if those two things are there, then, you know, those are at least two good initial steps.
0: All right. So, um, you know, you had a very successful career so far. Um, Are there any particular um, people or resources, articles, videos, anything that have influenced you a lot or inspired you in any way?
1: I would say, um, you know, I definitely read as much as I can about my industry about, other CEOs about, um, other startups that are growing, what they're doing right. And then about startups that are failing and what they're doing wrong. I try to learn as much as possible. I read a lot. Um, I would say, uh, my investors, I've only worked with investors who I truly admire, who I think are very smart. Um, I really don't like to take money from, uh, people who just have money and and not much more than that. And so at the end of the day, um, I would say my investors and and my mentors have been a huge, huge, huge impact on me as I've grown this business um, along with JJ. And then also my team. Like, honestly, I know it sounds silly. I've talked about my team so many times, but it's truly... My team teaches me every single day, whether it's about what our customers are saying, whether it's about where our product should be going, whether it's about a design insight, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I try to learn from people. I would say as much as possible. I don't read too many books because um, I don't have too much time. But let's see. I read. I read. Dan Lyon's book, Disrupted, recently, which was more of just a fun read, and, and I didn't necessarily learn too much from it. Uh, I did read, I'm reading Hamilton's biography by Rob now, and that's pretty fascinating, but I don't know if that's necessarily teaching me too much. I would say the one biography that really, really taught me a lot was Richard Branson's, because mm. I walked away just basically saying, like, that man has taken so many creative, out-of-the-box, um, you know, uh, methods to solve what he's trying to solve. And and I've really appreciated that.
0: All right. All right. Cool. I know that you're running short on time. So thank you so much. Is there any parting advice you'd like to share with anyone who's looking to start their company?
1: No, just other than, you know, make sure you're really incredibly passionate about the thing you're trying to do, because otherwise, it's going to be a horrible uphill battle. But otherwise, uh, be passionate about what you're trying to
0: do. And at least you'll have fun. All right. cool. thanks a lot. And uh, this was great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. So that was Liz on running her own company. And I think this was a very interesting discussion, which gives you a glimpse into the kind of decisions that someone who is running their own company has to take on a day-to-day basis. So I really hope that you enjoyed today's discussion. And of course, if you have any questions at all for Liz or for me, you can email us at hello at learneducatediscover.com. You can also tweet at us at led underscore curator. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash learn, educate, discover. And of course, if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy what we are doing, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher or pretty much anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And while you're at it, leave us a review. It really means a lot. And it also improves our rankings on these podcast players. So do leave us a review. And that's it. Thank you so much for your time, for listening. And until the next one, take care and bye bye.